everybody, episode 28 of Kicking It with Breezy and Don C. And we got a special guest today. I already see him smiling a little bit. That's Jaron Cottingham, Wingate Men's Basketball. Jay Cotty, what is going on, man? How are you? I'm good, man. Just chilling, just trying to stay sane and everything, just trying to stay fit, you know, through all this craziness going on. Um, just doing what I can to, you know, stay active and stay positive. Danny, how are things on your end, man? Everything good? Yeah, man, it's good over here. Uh, it's good to be fine. I kind of, I finally feel like it's summer now. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I felt so sad the whole months that we should have been in school. I was like, I want to be back. I want to be winning more championships and all that fun stuff. And then June finally hit. I know we're at the end of June now, but I finally was like, you know what? It's summertime now. Switch that mindset. Enjoy it now. It's finally sunny out here in Charlotte. It ain't 60 degrees anymore. I can finally get a sweat in outside. So, I think I finally have uh, embraced this quarantine because now I feel like we're in summer mode. So now I just got to book me a drive to a beach somewhere close and then I'll really enjoy the summer. You hit the nail on the head when you said, man, we miss being at school. And Danny and I can both agree, for those of you that aren't watching right now and not getting the joy to see Jaron and, and, and interact with him, but this guy, Jaron Cottingham, Jay Cotty, makes Wingate what it is we Danny and I both both believe that uh Jaron your energy man is is contagious and it's good to be finally seeing you it's been it's been a long time but hopefully it can be um sooner rather than later when we see you again in person so we're, we're happy to have you on appreciate it man I'm glad to be on so to get things rolling really we just want to go and touch on your basketball career obviously being that you still got two years left of eligibility we mentioned, I know you got a big smile on your face thinking about that, uh, getting two more years to ball. But take us back, man. Take us back to the little tyke days uh, when you first got a ball in your hand through middle school, high school. What's been your basketball journey in so many words? Oh, man, it's, uh, it's funny. Um, my parents always told me stories about how when I was a baby, my dad used to take me to the gym with him. I used to be in my car seat and I used to sit on the sideline and just watch the guys go up and down the court back and forth as a kid. And then uh, as I got to an age where, you know, I can remember um, I had a playpen and then I had a little tex hoop right outside my playpen. And I used to sit there and play with that like every single day. And then it got to a point where um, I found out how to climb out the playpen and get the ball and then just started playing outside the playpen and just never got back in. So um, that's how that all started. And then, um, you know, one of the things I remember vaguely is that um, my dad, as a kid, he never picked me up to score a basket. And you see a lot of guys do that with their kids. They pick their kids up and put them at the hoop and let them throw it in. And my dad never did that with me. He always, you know, taught me the importance of working for every bucket and stuff like that as a kid, even as a, a toddler. And then, um, you know, that work ethic, that trans translated over into middle school, high school, even to college. Um, but that's how, that's pretty much how basketball started. I just started, my dad used to take me to the gym every Saturday and Sunday morning. And, uh, you know, those same guys that he used to play ball with back in the early 90s before I was born, um, he still plays with those guys when we go back to Cincinnati in the 2020s, so... That's awesome. So it was never easy buckets for you. It was always, it was always tough. You had to earn it. Always, man. Growing up with four brothers or three brothers, sorry. Um, nothing was easy. I promise nothing was easy. I love that. I love that. You mentioned your dad, man. And I know that seeing on social media too, Father's Day was yesterday and you put a touching post out there for those that don't know the story about your dad. Um, 
describe that and your relationship and how that's grown over the years. Because I know speaking for myself and I'm sure Danny for his dad as well, you grow to appreciate your parents, especially your dad looking up to, you know, someone like that all your life. What's your relationship like with your dad? Um, you know, I, I grew up um, wanting to be just like him. You know, I see everything he does. People say I look like him, which is true. Um, people say I act like him. Um, once again, when we go back home to Cincinnati, I hear all his old fellas. Um, they always come up to me, young fella, your dad was this and that. And I'm like, man, I want to have that same kind of reputation when I get older, you know, and kids say that to my kids. Um, but, you know, I just remember the week before I came to college, um, my dad, he got really sick and I didn't know. And he, uh, he passed out and he almost died in my arms. And uh, I just remember from that point forward, I cherish every moment I have with him, whether it's, you know, whether he comes to a game or we're just sitting in the room watching a film together, um, going out to eat together. Every moment I have with him, I cherish and I'll do anything for that guy, man. And uh, he rarely misses a game. And he's, he's literally at, if, if he's not at a game, I hear him in my head or he's watching on ESPN yelling at the TV. So I love the dude, man. He's, that's my, that's my best friend. Going, so what year was that when that incident happened? That was, you said, right before college? Yes, that was the summer of 2017. It was actually uh, the day or a day or two before his birthday. Um, it was like a week or, week, a week or two before we moved on to campus um, my freshman year. And uh, I just remember he came into the house and he was like, my stomach's hurting. And I'm like, okay. And we were watching one of my high school games in my room. And he went to the bathroom and he was in there for like an hour. And I'm like, that's crazy. Why is he in the bathroom for so long? So he came out the bathroom and I had finished the whole entire game. And I'm like, this dude just missed the whole game. So he came out and he had this gas on his head. And I'm like, what is going on? So he passed out in the hallway. And I, come, I found out that he passed out in the bathroom and hit his head on the toilet. And he had a uh, cancerous tumor in his stomach and he was bleeding out um, whenever he used the bathroom, it was bleeding. So, um, you know, that, that happened the summer of 17, right before I got to college. And in my head, I'm like, this dude's never going to see me play a college game. He's not going to see me graduate college. He's not going to see me have my first kid, get married, or none of that. And all that stuff came to my head at that one point, but I'm just glad he's here still. So you definitely, I mean, going from that, moving into college shortly after, what were those first months of college like, not being, I guess, right with your dad, even though you're close, but being on your own, what was that like, especially having that, that experience where you, you almost lost him? Oh, man, it was um, – I, I got homesick quite a lot when I first moved, uh, moved on, onto campus. Um, I, I, like you said, you, hit, you, you said it right. I missed him a lot, um, not being around him, seeing him, going from seeing him literally every day to not seeing him for – the first three months of school till we go to Thanksgiving or Christmas break and then not seeing them again until spring break or summer break. That was tough my freshman year, but, um, you know, it was, it was, it was pretty tough. I'm not, I'm not even going to lie. It was pretty tough. Yeah, Jay. I mean, that, that's crazy. I, I know for me, my dad obviously has had a giant impact on my entire life, obviously, but my athletic career the most, right. In terms of being there, supporting you, looking up to him. My dad never played tennis. I was the only one in my family to play tennis. So it was hard to find motivation with, you know, family pass and things like that. 
But for you, obviously, growing up, trying to follow in your dad's footsteps, what were kind of some of your inspirations, you know, that drove you to play the way you do now? I mean, for me, you're the Russell Westbrook that I've seen in person. You play with that attacking mindset, crazy work ethic, and you go for the neck, right? I know I'm sure, I'm sure what happened with your dad drove you to play that way. But what are maybe some other inspirations, some motivations that drive you to act and play the way you do? Um, the biggest one I would have to say is, um, you know, growing up, I had everything I wanted. If I asked my parents for it, I got it. But I never want my parents to have to feel like they have to give me everything. I want to be the one that gives them everything. So my parents not having to work. Um, that's my biggest inspiration. That's what drives me the most. But then you have guys like uh, Russell Westbrook, uh, Kobe Bryant, uh, rest in peace, um, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. A lot of people don't even know who that is. It's one of my favorite players of all time. I look at guys like that, especially um, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, because he's a smaller guy. I'm only six feet. He's six feet. And we attack bigger guys with, um, with effortlessly. Like, there's no fear. Um, and then you look at guys like Kobe, um, the same thing with him is he loves road games. He loves negativity. I love negativity. I love when people will say things about me and I can prove them wrong. Russell Westbrook, the same thing. His, his fearlessness and his fierceness um, on the court every single night, um, that's something I look up to. And I've been looking up to that since I was a, a kid, since I first found out who Russell Westbrook was. I've always looked at the way he played and was like, that's what I want to do every single night. If I'm not playing well, just give 100% and go my hardest, regardless of how well I'm playing. Was there a moment in time, Jay, when, of course, saying all of that, hearing that is, is awesome to hear as a, as a sports fan and as a competitor, but was there a time where you realized that that dog mentality surfaced? Did it happen in college? Did it happen in high school? When did you really feel like that you became a killer on the court? Because Danny and I both know, and a lot of people that haven't seen you play, once they see you play, it's evident, man. You're, you're always hundred percent straight towards the rim. I love it. Um, I would have to say it happened during my senior year of high school. I remember my freshman, sophomore, junior year, I've always played with guys that were studs. Um, my junior year, I played with the all time leading scorer in my high school, Avery Metcalf, great player, phenomenal player. And then I had other seniors that were just as almost as good as him. Um, so me coming in onto that team, um, my junior year, I felt like I took a back seat. And my parents always told me, they were like, you seem like you took a back seat. You don't have to be the um, best player or the, you don't have to take a back seat just because you're not the best player. And I, and I've always, that always hit me. So when I got to my senior year and I was the guy, um, I just decided I was always going to go out there and just tear my opponent apart, you know, with sportsmanship, of course. Um, but just do whatever I can to, you know, take over the game and uh, make sure we win. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the mindset that, that I think all great athletes have. I mean, when you, when you talk about following in somebody like Kobe's footsteps and you think about the mentality he brings into what he does, for me, that's why, and I hope you heard it, but our Kobe tribute episode we did months back, obviously the day he passed away, we mentioned that. We mentioned how it's not just athletes who follow guys like Kobe. It's everyone. It's being a killer, waking up early, putting in the extra hours, you know, but having that confidence. And that kind of brings me to my next question with you. I definitely believe that me and you, as well as some other players for sure, have been a couple of those guys, athletes on campus that tend to get a little bit of slack sometimes because we talk a little bit of a big game, 
before the season, before games, during the game especially, you know, putting ourselves out there in terms of how we dress on game days and in general and, and being outwardly confident. I know for me, that stems from work ethic. It stems from 100% belief. It's rooted in hard work. It's not rooted in arrogance, right? Tell me where that stems from for you because I know me and you are two people who have always gotten along since we met, and I think a lot of it's rooted in that same exact belief in ourselves and in our ability, but that comes from hard work. So tell me for you, where does that confidence come from? Because I know you personally. A lot of people who I'm sure don't that play against you, that see you play, they might think, oh, man, Jay's cocky. He thinks he's this. He thinks he's that. Tell me where it stems from from you. I want to hear the honest truth from you. Where does that confidence come from? Uh, the confidence comes from my teammates, first of all, my, the guys I play with and my coaches. Um, where I get the confidence from is whenever I go into practice and I hear guys telling me, look, we need you to do this and we need you to do that. Keep up, do what you did last game, um, take over a game. Little stuff like that, that puts me in a mindset of, all right, I need to be confident and uh, I need to go out there and do what I need to do. Um, you know, I've always, and you, and you made a good point, uh, people might look at guys like us and tend to say we're cocky or arrogant. Um, I believe that you have confidence and then you have cockiness. There's two, there's a difference between the two. And um, there's, I think every athlete, every good athlete has that point in time where they feel like they're untouchable. Like they feel like that, they feel like nobody's better than them. And I'm guilty of that too. But one of the things I try to do is I try not to, vocalize that. I try not to voice that and make it seem like I know that I'm, that nobody's better than me. I try not to say that out loud. I keep that to myself. Um, but I think everybody has that inner cockiness about themselves, that they think that they're the best, and as well as you should. I mean, you should always think that you are the best player whenever you go on that tennis court or you go on the basketball court or the football field, baseball diamond. Whatever you do, you should always feel that you're the best out there. So that confidence comes from uh, simply just my teammates and coaches telling me to continue to do what I've been doing if I've been doing it well. Yeah, and I, and I know for me, when you talk about the confidence that you bring on and you don't vocalize, for me, one of the biggest things that that self-confidence does and the fact that it's rooted in hard work allows you to be calm in the biggest moments. It allows you to be calm in championship games, big rivalry games. And I remember when you were young, I heard about this. I didn't see the game because I believe it was at a conference tournament somewhere. But when you were young, you came into a conference tournament game and you had one of your best games. You made a big impact in that game. Tell me about that. Tell me about what it means to you to be able to be in those big moments in them rivalry games where it's all on you. And like you said, when you feel like you're the guy and you have that belief, I believe it brings a little bit of a calm. I know it does for me. What, what is that like for you? Um. So you brought up the game my freshman year. We played against uh, LMU in a tournament. We hadn't beat LMU in six seasons, six years. So there was already some added um, nervousness going into the game. It was a conference tournament. Um, we knew that we needed to win that game to advance. It's a win or go home. Uh, but the biggest thing about that game was that Marco Haskins, our, our best player, our, 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 our guy, he injured his elbow the week before. And he wasn't playing the same. He wasn't, taking, he wasn't taking nearly as many shots. He wasn't handling the ball as much as he used to. And also the week before, um, I was put into a starting role. I hadn't started a single game. And to, to go from playing 18 minutes a game to playing 35 minutes a game in the last four games of the season, 
Um, that's a big jump. So, you know, when the game first started, I was a little nervous. I started out slow. And then I just remember there was a point in time where I went off for about six points straight. And then I just felt like, well, Marco's not playing well. I, that means I need to keep this up. And then I just did whatever I could to keep us in the game. And then Charlie Hovass, he hit the game winner. But, um, you know, it's just moments like that, when you're used to it, um, they tend to be easier to deal with. You know, in high school, it was nothing to me to play, play against LeVar Bats or Wendell Moore, who's at Duke right now, and go out and score 30 and, and keep composure under pressure. Um, then when I got to high school or when I got to college, it started over, you know. Coming in, you were nervous those first couple games, playing against guys who were three, four years older than you. And then, you know, once the end of the season came, um, I was ready for those big moments. I'm so glad you mentioned uh, the LMU game, Danny. And, and Jaron, you mentioned Charlie. That shot, <laughs> that shot is, is stuck in my head, that, that layup he had underneath. I'm not going to lie to you, that night – we were working a game at Wingate. I want to say it was the, the Tusculum game when the women's team played in the quarterfinals. And we were running in the offices. Oh, my God, like, we're, we have a chance against LMU. And, and we, we see that Charlie scored that. We all went crazy. So that was a good, uh, nice way to reminisce for me. But I want to take it back a game, a game, I, can't, I think it was a couple games before that, when, when Queens came to town. Ooh. And Queens being a, a nationally ranked team, always up there. And you had been behind, you know, Amarius and Marco. That backcourt was so good my freshman year. And then I remember seeing you step on the court that game, and you had probably one of your best games. I want to say you had close to 19 and 8, something along that line, no turnovers, starting point guard. What was that like? Do you think that kind of propelled you to your success that you had this year too? Uh, yes, it did. Uh, it did because it's funny because – Every game that I will go back and watch, believe it or not, I go back and watch every game after we play them. So when I went back and watched every game this year, especially at the beginning of the season, I always heard you and Sam bring up the fact that um, Jaron showed glimpses of what he can do in that last game against Queens and stuff like that. And that, that is the game that I really thought that I could really be a good player for this, for this program. Um, we came into that game, like I said, that was my first start. I was nervous. I started off the game very slow. Um, just like you would think a freshman would. And then I just calmed down. Coach pulled me to the side and just told me, just play your game. And I just started taking, I started taking very good shots. I started making the right play. I finished with 19 points and eight assists with no, no turnovers. Um, but it, it was that specific game and we lost that game, but it was that, it was that game that made me realize that, um, I can be what this team needs me to be. I was going to say 19 and eight. That sounded right in my head. And now that you said it, a little bit of self-validation for me. I got that right. Um, oh, yeah, that, so. was, that was spot on. <laughs> Thank you. Said it. Thank you. Yeah, um, before I, ahead, get last, ahead, before I get into my last question, can we just shout out Doncey? I mean, the guy knows his stats so well that a game years ago, he brings, I, I believe it was not, we all know Donnie knew exactly what it was. He had to make it seem like he was he it taking it in the memory bank. He's like, I remember 19, eight and zero. First of all, that's also special because I ain't seen too many games where Jay Cotty had zero turnovers. So that, 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 I mean, that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty impressive, my boy. That, that's what we need to see. Nah, I'm, I'm playing around. But, but mo moving on into something a little more serious for me, especially as an athlete who, who has a very distinct opinion on this matter, I think there are a lot of people who disagree with me on this, people within sports, people outside of sports, which is that if an athlete has a platform, like top players do in the NBA, like in the NFL, it should be and they should feel as though it's their responsibility to speak out, 
you know, on issues like things that are going on right now on, on behalf of people whose voices may not be heard as much. And I have prided myself on always wanting to be as outspoken as I can in how I dress, how I talk, and how I even try and speak out, you know, for good causes, you know, such as the set the expectation cause that the school has taken on the last couple of years. Whereas some athletes, such as we saw Michael Jordan in the last dance talking about, it's not my job to do that. And now I think the guy I always, I always bring up and me and Donnie go back and forth is Kawhi. Kawhi tends to let his play do the talking. He doesn't speak out too much. I want to hear your thoughts on that because for me, you're somebody on our campus who is a prominent athlete and you do carry that chip on your shoulder and you carry yourself with, in, in, a very, in a great way. You're outspoken, eloquent guy. I want to know your opinion on that. Should athletes feel that that's their responsibility or is it it's their prerogative to act however they want? Oh, man, that's a great question. Um, I think it, it, it can go both ways. I think you have some athletes, and you, you said I'm outspoken. I actually am outspoken, but I tend to be kind of shy in situations where I don't feel comfortable. Um, for example, when you look at our team and you, you, probably, you probably look at me and say, well, he's the leader of the team. Um, vocally, that is not the case. Um, you have guys like Francis and you have guys like uh, Rashard Pringle and guys like Kendrick Tucker who are way more vocal than I am. But that has started to change over the last year or so. I found out and when our school, when we, since we've been going through this whole um, you know, racial thing that we've been dealing with in this pandemic, when our uh, team released the video of us sharing our thoughts and opinions, um, it took me a day or two to really gather myself to be able to do something like that. Um, because typically I stay quiet. I, I have my own opinion on it, but I, I tend to stay quiet about it. So I think athletes, they should have, they should feel the need to speak out. But if you aren't comfortable doing it and it's not something that you're accustomed to, it, you shouldn't put that pressure on yourself to, Feel like you have to like Kawhi Leonard's a perfect example we've all heard what he's been through his life story um his father passing um I don't care how old you are that's something that's always going to be tough to deal with if you lose a parent that's something that's tough to deal with so you know somebody like him I can understand if he doesn't feel the need to want to open up publicly uh, Jaron I think you as you do a lot of the time you hit the nail on the head man I think that a lot of athletes as Danny mentioned you know, have that, have that need to speak out. But at the same time, as you referred to, if you're not going to be comfortable and you're not going to say what really needs to be heard and you're just kind of following and trying to just go with the grain instead of against the grain, you could say something that you, you know, you may not really believe or that may come off in a different way. So I think that you hit it perfect. It's a balance of, you know, comfortability and uncomfortability. So always, always great uh, insight on that. You literally mentioned CEO as, right before I was about to ask you a question about him, some quick hitters from me and Danny, what's your relationship like with CEO? I mean, y'all are literally Batman and Robin, as you always refer to. What's it been like, especially him being at Cox Mill and, and you playing against him in high school? Take me back to the, the early days of, of young Cody and young CEO. Uh, before I get there, I'm going to say he's Superman and I'm Batman. It's Batman and Superman. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> but once they team up together. Um, but I just, um, I met Francis, the literally the first day I moved to North Carolina in 2013, I believe it was, I think I was in the seventh grade. Um, the first or second day I moved here, um, I went to play with one of my guys, my dad's cousin or my cousin as well. He coached in this league that they played in. And, uh, you know, I wanted to play, you know, I love basketball. Obviously I wanted to play and I got put on this squad with Francis. And then the first day um, we were doing this zigzag drill and uh, I was, 
I think I, I think I was on defense and he was on offense and I tried to reach as a little kid and he leaned in and his head hit me and I had a knot on my head about the size about this big. It was so big they didn't even let me go to school. So I missed three days of school. So um but that from that point forward, since we had been teammates in, in the seventh grade, we were thirteen years old. Um we got to high school, we went to different high schools, we competed against each other every single year. I knew that if when we played against Cox Mill, he was gonna bring his A game. He knew I was gonna bring my A game. Literally every single time we played each other, it was a shootout between us two. And then when we got to I just remember uh a month or two before we got to college, I went I ran into him in the rec center and I was like, Yo, where where are you signing? And he was like, I think I'm gonna sign a Wingate and I was like, For real, I just signed last week. And then he was like he was like, you're kidding. And I was like, nah, man, I'm serious. And then when we got there, the, the friendship relationship, it, it took off. And um, he's one of my, he's, he's genuinely one of my best friends. I, I, I credit him the way I play is because he pushes me. We push each other. And I thank him uh, every single day for pushing me to, to be my best. That is, that could not be better scripted. <laughs> the, the start of that friendship, bumping heads, and now y'all are y'all are running mates on a team that is honestly one of the most exciting sports to watch on campus. Real quickly to piggy off your your recruiting journey and then coming to Wingate, I want you to talk about the recruiting visit you had with Kendrick, Pringle, and Jake. How oh. crazy was that? And then y'all ended up all going there. Okay, so it was funny because when I got to the visit, the first person that I bonded with was Kendrick. And Kendrick is my best friend on campus. That's my roommate. He's been my roommate since we got together. Um, that is my best friend on campus. He was the first guy. He was the first guy I talked to. He was the guy I hung with the whole entire night um, on our the whole entire two nights we spent on our visit. Um, so we hit it off really well. Uh, Pringle, me and Pringle, we ran into each other a few times during the visit. He would be over in one building I'll be in another building and beam and we just end up meeting each other in the grass area. Everybody knows what that is. And then, um, you know, it's funny because uh, over the summer I added them on Snapchat and I'm excited. I'm like, yo, man, we getting ready to go to Wingate. We're going to be together. And he's sitting here, he's hyping me up like, yeah, man, I can't wait. And then like a month before we're supposed to move on to campus, he texts me and says, um, yo, I'm not going to be there this year. I'll be there next year. I was so heartbroken. I was like, man, this dude, dude, I'm like, dang, I was really expecting to be going to school with this guy. But Jake, on the other hand, um, I didn't really talk to Jake. <laughs> I did not. I, I rarely ever talked to Jake on the visit. I think the only words I said to him was nice shot during the pickup games we had during the team with the team. I didn't really speak to him outside of the court. Um, I didn't really speak to him at dinner when we went to dinner. It was just weird, but it's funny how you, there's a way of guys not really hitting it off at first, and then they end up becoming close, and me and him have a close relationship too. What a story. What a story. I love that. That, that, that epitomizes y'all's uh, chemistry. That is, that is perfect. Uh, real quickly, too, some quick hitters for me and Danny. As I mentioned, the NBA bubble. I know you're a big NBA guy. Is the NBA bubble going to work in your eyes? Oh, I, I think it will. I, I'm very confident in it. I think that we live in an age now where um, money talks. I think if you have money to spend on certain things, um, like you hear the NFL talking about these new masks that they have. 
who else has them? You don't see colleges and high school teams having that. Money talks. So the NBA, you have all these facilities they have and all this equipment and, and the best doctors in the world, best trainers in the world. Um, I think if the players follow the rules and just try to try to stick to what they're stick to their guns in terms of the rules and stuff that they're going into Disney with, I think it'll be fine. And it's not for that long. It's only for what a month or so, a month or two, and then you get to go right back home. So I, I think it'll work. I think it'll work. Yeah, man, I, I think you're right. We've been talking about that back and forth, and obviously the worry is always. Does somebody test positive? Is somebody not doing the right things? I know on, in my world in the ATP, they just had a couple players who actually went and made their own little exhibition tour called the Adria Tour, and they were out partying, and, oh, we're doing the right protocols and everything. And now this week, two guys just tested positive from that. So now I'm sure all the tennis stuff's going out the window. So you just hope everybody's doing the right thing. Um, and let's get some basketball back. But like Donnie said, getting into some quick ones. I got three quick ones for you. You know – this podcast, we talk a lot about fashion. We talk a lot about sneakers. So I want to talk to you about yourself and your team because I know from being boys with a lot of you guys on the team and being, you know, called twins with about three dudes on your team. I, I've had people mistake me for you. I've had people mistake me for Kendrick. I've had people mistake me for Jake. I'm like, if I was as tall as Kendrick and Jake and could shoot like them, I wouldn't be playing tennis. I'd be playing on the back. But that's besides the point, you know. But anyway, on your team, three quick ones. Number one. Who's the best dressed on the team? And you can say you. You can say you. Nah, it's not me. Uh, it's definitely not me. I dress – I tend to dress well at opportune times. Like, it. I, I don't – know. These guys some, – some guys like Kendrick, they go to class dressed to impress. That's not me. If, if I wake up, I'm like, okay, I'll put some sweats on and go to class, put some, some kicks on and go to class. But the best dressed on the team, it's a tough one, but I have to go with Kendrick. It's funny you say Kendrick because I'll sometimes in my head see him walking around and I'll call him Kendrick Oubre Jr. That's what I call him. Every time I see him walking around, I see this guy dressed like he's little little Hendrix vibes on. I love watching Kendrick. You're, you're right about that. But next, who's got the best shoe game on your team? On court or off court? I'll take one for each. That's a tough one. Ooh, off the court. Oh, Kendrick again. Uh, you got Kendrick. Kendrick, it's, it's, it's really tough for that one. You got Kendrick up there. You have Andreas Wilson. He's up there. Um, Francis Seo is up there. Um, I will have to say those three guys are at the top of the top when it comes to shoe game off the court. On the court, um, Kendrick as well is up there. Francis, uh, myself, I put myself in that list. Donnell, he has some – quite a few pair of some nice Kyrie's. Um, but I have to say, I have to say it's, it's between, and, and Andreas as well, Andreas as well. Oh, and I can't forget Bug. It, pretty much the whole team has, I, the whole team has an arsenal of shoes that they can go to. So it, it's hard to choose, but um, we all have our special kicks that we can wear a different pair every game. So I have to put everybody in that list. I was just about to ask you, Jay, with the, with the shoe privileges, I know I always joke with, with Coach Kirk and Coach Good. How does that work? How are you guys uh, – what's the, what's the rules when it comes to picking your own shoes or wearing the team shoes? Oh, well, there's really no rule when it comes to picking our own shoes. We can wear whatever shoe we want as long as it's Nike or Jordan. Um, but the biggest rule is it's, it's known as the CO rule, and um, it's because – our freshman year, this dude had had about 10 pairs of shoes in his locker. 
and I I'm in the knock I'm in the locker right next to him, and he's probably he's probably gonna come at me crazy when I say this, but there's been times where I would go into the gym late at night after we've had a practice, and I would see his shoes in my locker, and I'll be like, dude, you got your own locker, fill your locker up, stop putting them in mine, um, but. He started that rule, and Coach made a rule that we can only have, I think it's either three or four pairs of shoes at a time in our locker. So um, the rest of our shoes we got to keep at home. I was guilty of that, too. I would have um, – I had three pairs of Y-Nots, and then I had two pairs of Kyrie's, and then some other uh, Jordans I had. So I had to, you know, figure out what shoes I wanted to keep in there. And there's been times where we had a game, I left the shoes that I wanted to play in in my room and had to go back and get them because of that rule. Thank you, CO. I love that, that the CO rule. That's great. I'm sure if my coach was listening right now, we would have an exact same rule put in place called the breezy rule because I know I got at least 10, 12 pairs of shoes and including off-court shoes. Oh, man, that, that locker wasn't nearly big enough for me. But when you talk about all those guys, you know, they all got great shoe games. You got to tell me, in your opinion, who's got the number one nicest pair of on-court and who's got the number one nicest pair of off-court shoes on your team? I got to hear who it is and what the shoe is. Oh, that's a good one. Um, Francis had a pair of uh, Sandy Cheeks Kyrie's. Um, so glad you mentioned those. Those are fine. I think that those might have been the best shoes that we had on the team. Kendrick had a pair of Lucky Charms Kyrie's our freshman year, um, but he got injured, so we never got to see him. Um, myself, I had, I had these Why Nots the Russells, the all-star games, and one, they're probably one of the most comfortable pairs of shoes I've ever played in. They're very comfortable. Um, I remember we went to UBA Wise, and the guy, the commentator kept talking about it. He was like, here we have this shoe guy here. We almost had a nice pair over here. He fell into us, shoe guy. Um, but I have to give it to Francis. I think Francis and those Sandy Cheeks, uh, Kyrie's, I think those are the best pair of shoes on the team. Um, off the court, the best pair of shoes I've seen is Kendrick, he had these De La Soul, um, he had these De La Soul Air Forces. And they, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I never seen them, I, I never got to see him wear them. Because we, like, he never wore them. They would just sit under the bed. And I'm like, yo, you gonna wear a fit with those or something? And he would just pull them out the box, put them on his feet, look at himself in the mirror, and then put them right back in the box. And I'm like, man, those, those, those kicks are, are fire, man. It's funny you say that because I'm the exact same way and I try not to be with my Travis Scott's. I'm like, man, I got to wear these. I got to – I can't just take a picture of them. Like, I posted them for the, the Wispies picture I posted on IG and I was like, man, I got to bring these out. I can't just keep leaving these in the box. But staying on the shoes, last, pick, last uh, question talking about shoes, what's one shoe you're looking to get in the next few months, whether to play in or just to rock? Ooh. Um, you know what? I used to wear Kobe's a lot. Um, high school, um, I had about three or four pairs of Kobe's. And then once I got to college, I started having, developing these ankle problems. And I'm a, I love low tops. Everybody knows I love low tops. So I kind of gave the Kobe low tops a rest. But, um, thanks to my trainer, I've developed some strength back in my ankles so I can start wearing those low cuts again. So I'm thinking about getting, um, a low type mid cut. I'm thinking about getting a, uh, pair of Kobe fours. Looking for a colorful pair of those. Um, I love the Kobe fours when they first came out. I remember w watching him and wear those in the uh, NBA Finals. Um, those were one of my favorite pairs of Kobe's. And then off the court, um, 
you you have a lot of guys that like bands. Um, I like Puma. I love Puma kicks. I love them. Um, I actually just got a pair of these orange uh, warning Pumas uh, two weeks ago. Very, very vibrant orange, and I love them. So, you know, I keep my eyes peeled for anything, and if I like it, I'll get it. I like that. That was a good answer. The Pumas, that's the, – people sleep on the Pumas. If you get a nice pair of suede ones, the off-court, they yeah, look that, good. Yeah, I'm trying to pick up those new Rude Pumas that just came out, man. Those, those are crazy, so I might, have, I might have to grab – they're pretty crazy. And I, I also love how Jay talks about an all-orange pair of shoes. I think I've seen Jay wear an all-colored pair of shoes in every color in the rainbow. I, and I always see him. I'm like, all pink, okay, that's Jay. Oh, I'm driving that all green – gotta be jay all purple for sure it's jay uh all blue god's jay over there I, so i love how this guy is going through the whole spectrum of colors and you, you gotta go crazy sometimes you gotta go hey, crazy man. i'm a i'm a vibrant guy i love my well everybody my favorite color is orange so of course i gotta you can never go wrong with the orange um but i, I love vibrant shoes i love shoes that stick out you can you can say i'm pretty flamboyant when it comes to uh what i have on my feet <laughs> I like that. That's a good answer. Uh, real quickly to get into it, I know that for those of, for those that don't know, your Cotty Comp account when you post your highlights and you throw some throw some edits on there. What made you get into that? Is that something that you want to try and do post career, whenever that may be? Get into video editing? Um, actually, it is. But I have to give credit to there's this Instagram page called Dunk Comp, and it they it features a lot of NBA highlights, and it gave me. Um, it gave me an idea and I'm like, okay, well, you know, there's some people who don't watch the games. There's a lot of people that just want to watch highlights. So why not just do highlights? So I was like, okay, so after each game, I'll just go back, get the highlights from the film and, and I'll just set up a highlight. And um, it is something that I look at as an outlet. You know, sometimes I get bored and I'm like, I just want to make a highlight video. I can see myself doing that post playing career. Um, but for, for right now, I just do it for the enjoyment of just putting my game out there, being able to put other guys' games out there. I did one for CO, did one for Pringle, Boogie, um, just just giving us an outlet to to show off for our abilities. That's it. One other question I have for you: If you could pick one guy in the NBA besides Russ, because we know that's the obvious answer, that you play most like, who would you say? Oh, that's a good question. Um, and I know, I know my teammates probably gonna let me have it. They're probably gonna say I don't, but I see it. I see it just a little bit. Um, I see a little bit of Damian Lillard in my game. I like that. Being able, being able to come off screens and let it fly if a defender doesn't step up. Being able to to get through creases in the defense, um, like guys trying to, you know, after you come off a screen, they try to double or they try to hedge hard, and being able to split it and get to the rim and finish. Um, I see a little bit of Damian Lillard in my game. Um, I don't think I shoot the outside shot enough to be like Damian Lillard, so I would stick to Russ. But um, Damian Lillard in terms of uh, being able to come off those screens and being able to spot up if the guy sags off and stuff like that and, um, you know, let, let the defense have it. I love that Lillard comparison. But if you're, if you're saying that, Jay, I got to hold you to it now. Next year – I'm going to be coming to some games. If you hit a buzzer beater and I don't see you waving at the other team's bench, watching them get – I, I got to see that now because if I don't see that, I got to take the Lillard away from you because that's what we know Lillard for, ice cold, 
you know, Dame's a beast. So if you say that, you got to live up to it now. You got you got to be waving at the other team now when when you hit a buzzer beater in their face. Okay, okay, Danny. Me and you probably gonna have some issues after this uh, after this thing is over because you know he did that to Russ. <laughs> so okay, but um, about that, it's funny that you say that. Um, we were talking earlier about how things that motivate you to play well, and one of the things I talked about was uh, trash talk and how trash talk motivates me more than anything. Like I, I love, I love when teams trash talk me. And uh, I can't remember if Donnie was doing the game. There was a game we had this year. I scored 38. And I just remember um, one of the players on the Mars Hill team, he scored on me. He got an and one and he got subbed out. And he, he walked right past me and was like, number zero, you're, you're not the one. You're not the one. Stop it. And then their coach looked at him and was like, don't do that. So I just shook my head and just made sure I torched him when he came back in the game. But – I can't see myself hitting a game winner and waving to a bench unless somebody talks trash to me first. Jaron, I hate that I didn't get to cover that game. That was the one game. I want to say it was right before we got back from Christmas break. And I was watching it. I was watching it on my laptop. And I'm kicking. I'm punching the air. I'm punching my pillow. Like, why am I not there? Because that was, to me, that was like the perfect culmination of – the early season success y'all had and then the struggles when Pringle went down and the losing streak and then having that game at home, man. And now that I know that it was fueled by trash talk, that's something Danny and I both know is one of the best elements of basketball. I love that, man. I love that. That's, that's a, that's a do not do not do when you play against Cotty. Yeah. And yeah, that is. And you can also ask Sam, he'll, he'll verify it. Um, that before that game, I don't know why, I was listening to Michael Jackson for the game. And okay. it just, you could hear him say in the broadcast that it was motivating me. So I'll let him believe that, that that was the reason I played well as well. I'll stick with that. I, I love it. And I, I want to ask one quick thing when we were talking about trash talk, because I want to hear a story here. I'm, I'm going to give you a quick story myself about my favorite trash talk moment. And I want to hear yours. And Donnie, if you got one, I want to hear yours, because I know you played against some big names when you play some high school ball. So I want to hear your best trash talk story, but I want to take a couple people back. My second year, we played at Queens. And that summer, I had gotten the tattoo on my arm of the skyline. And if you don't know, Queens University of Charlotte is in downtown. So when we played against them, I beat their number one, and all their team was standing there on the fence. So I flexed my tattoo. I said, this is my city. I pointed to the guy and said, this is my city. We ended up losing that match 4-3, unfortunately, on a 7-6 in the third match that my boy, Matt Jones, ended up losing in the last match. Crazy match. But we ended up losing that match. And one of the guys posted a video of winning the match point, the kid who won. And a kid that I really don't like on the Queens team to this day commented in quotation marks, this is my city. I was like, okay, we're th- all right, now we're going. And I'm not patting myself on the back because it is a damn team effort. But I am happy to say that after that point, Queens didn't win another match against the team that Danny Belsito played for. So I will reiterate it for the Queens guys that may tune in. This is my city. So that's my favorite trash talk moment that I had. You know, some people might say, oh, yeah, I'll take uh, didn't happen for 400. You go ask everybody on my team on that team and they will tell you that that happened. So I got to hear your favorite trash talk story about shutting somebody up, Jay. 
Typical Danny Belsito. <laughs> um, that was good, Danny. That was. Right, so, we're we're going we're gonna to hold that against you now. Just, just now. Hey, it's fine. Right, so hold the truth my against story, me. My story. Um, so Kobe Bryant passed on my birthday, my 21st birthday, January 26th. So um, we, there was a little bit added motivation going into the next game against Coker. And on that, um, when we played Coker, they also had a tragedy that struck their campus. One of their students had got shot and killed. So everybody was at the game. It was a, it was a packed game, packed house. And um, their student section sits, next, sits right next to our bench, like legit right next to our bench. So I started off the game. Once again, I started off the game slow and somebody had to fire me up with saying something silly. I wasn't shooting the ball well. And when I'm on defense back on their end where their student section is, one of their uh, students says, hey, Jaron, you shoot just like your daddy. And I'm like, you don't even know my dad. And, I'm, and then I realized they were talking about Russell Westbrook. You know, people say he can't shoot. He was like, you can't shoot like your daddy. Or he, he says you shoot like your daddy. And I'm like, okay. So the second half comes and I, I, I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't shooting the ball well. And I just completely just took over the game. And I just remember one of the guys uh, towards the end of the game, he was like, hey, Westbrook. And I looked right at him. And I was like, what? And then he just, I just started doing this the whole time. We were up by like five or like maybe 30 seconds left. I was like, it's over, Doc. Just, just quit. That was, that was uh, you know, that was fueled by Kobe and then him saying something like that. So, you know, that, that, that's my favorite trash talk story. That is another next level. Another next level. You should write these down, Jaron, and make a little short story book out of them because when your career is said and done, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of them to put in there. My trash talk story, you know, it's tough because Danny did mention, as, as you guys see, I was a hooper, but I didn't, I trash talk, but it was very selective. It was never a game where, or like a moment where I'd sit there and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get in this guy's head. I'm going to talk to him the entire game. It was more so just when I was feeling it, when I wasn't feeling it. And as Danny said, I always thought about the the negative of me saying all this stuff and then looking up at the scoreboard and saying, Oh, maybe I shouldn't have, maybe I shouldn't have said anything, but I will take you back. My one, my one time that I can really pat myself on the back in high school was my senior night. I set a school record. I hit seven threes against one of our conference rivals. And I remember when I started the game, you know, it's Jaron, of course you can attest to this Danny too. senior night and anything is different. And I know that the highest level I got was private school two-way basketball. But for me, that was the moment like, all right, you know, this is senior night, my last home game in, in, uh, in high school. I'm going to show out. And the team that we were playing, we had previously beaten them earlier this season, but they were, they were an interesting group of guys. They talked a lot of trash. They were always below, like they were always at the bottom of the conference. So I'm like, all right, first off, why are you, why are you talking? Like, why? Please, please stop. So that, that angered me a little bit, but I came to that game and my senior year is really when I started to shoot the ball a lot more. I was always taught to be a back to the basket guy. I grew really early, which was my downfall when it came to me trying to play ball beyond high school because I was way too slow. I was not tall at all. So I was kind of an awkward position, but I ended up shooting the ball real well. So that senior year came and I was, I was, you know, doing pretty well. And coming into senior night, I thought, okay, guns are blazing. I'm, I'm shooting every time I get the ball. And I remember I hit my first three in the corner. And that started off the game, three points. And then I come back to the same corner and I catch the ball on a swing 
and the defender looks at me and he kind of looks at me. He looks at my feet, looks at me and just shrugs. And I nodded at him and I shot and I hit the three and he turned around. I looked at him and I just smiled at him. I just smiled to me. The best trash talk to me, the best trash is just is left unsaid. And the game went on and I kept going. I, I hit another three, hit another three on the other end. And I actually, the other day, I was looking through some of my old stuff and I, I came across that, those game highlights and I watched with my mom. We were just laughing and reminiscing a little bit. And you could even see every time I hit a three, you'd see my dad get up and hold up the three and he'd go crazy. And it was just the atmosphere that night was, was crazy. But I remember we beat that team, I kid you not, by at least 40 or 50 points. It was a blowout, absolute blowout, best night of my life basketball-wise. But every three I hit, they continued to just sag. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to call myself – Ray Allen, but if I'm hitting threes, the only th I shot seven for eight that game. That is the one, the one time I will actually really applaud myself. I shot seven for eight because the one three that I missed, I pulled it from around the volleyball line because I was, I was having fun. And, and my coach was like, Donnie, come on, kind of the Bradley Beal, you know, hands on the hips. Come on, what are you doing? <laughs> that was the game where I really, uh, when it came to trash talk, for me, it was always just the looks, the looks of, you know, you messed up and I love it looks of the shrugs, looks of doing the threes around my eyes, running down the court. I, I love it. I love it. I think that's the, that's the beauty of sports. So I'm glad you guys can, can share stories too and, and appreciate my small in comparison. But, but uh, at, that, at that night in, in time, it was, it was pretty special. So that was a good trip down memory lane. Hey, Donnie, man. Look, you play 2K. And, and Danny, I don't know if you play 2K, but uh, everybody knows you can't leave a sharpshooting offensive threat open. You can't. I may Bring have been that, that in high fun, school. <laughs> but, like, you, you, um, you hit the nail on the head when you said uh, the best trash talk is, you know, basically silence. One of my favorite quotes is, um, silence is golden if you want to win. Um, and that's one of the things that I always talk about. Uh, one of the things you'll notice about me is that I'll never start trash talk. You'll never see me start, you know, verbalizing or taunting. That's not something I do. Um, and even if somebody says stuff to me, I still never really talk. I do exactly what you said you did, Donnie. Just smile or, you know, I might hit one of these or, you know, you just shake my head, something like that. But you're right. The best trash talk is the stuff that's left unsaid. Well, uh, I, think, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think Danny knows about that. I think, I think Danny's the, the verbal guy. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm like, I, okay, you know what? You guys, you spread this positivity and wisdom to young athletes. I will be on the other side and say, yeah, but if somebody taunts you, you better tell them what they just said. I don't know, but I completely disagree with the best silence is left unsaid. I want to beat you, and I want to tell you I beat you, especially if you were talking about beating me. And if you, I don't know. I don't care if they're mentioning Russell Westbrook or your real dad. As soon as somebody mentions your daddy, it's time to go off. So I'm glad that you did that. And you know what? I forgot to mention something. The game that we played against Mars Hill, the guy that was talking trash to me, the whole entire game, it was just him. It was just one guy. Um, his, his, his girlfriend went to Wingate, and I was good friends with her. Like, just, just good. She was on the basketball team, actually. And I texted her, and I said, you're dating number 10, right? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, you need to tell him, um, let sleeping dogs lie. And she was like, what does that mean? And I was like, um, he was talking trash, and I, I went on for about 38. And I'm just letting them know that next game, if they, 
they want to win. Just don't do that. And she was like, oh, Lord. And then I was like, yeah. So just tell them that. So the next game when we played them, um, I'm in layup lines. And I, sh- I shoot the layup, and I'm walking back to the line. And I walk past their bench. And their coach taps me, and he's like, I told Austin, I, I told him not to say anything, so we're just going to wait until after the game to talk. I was like, that's a good idea, coach. That is... <laughs> and we ended up losing the game. <laughs> oh, Man. my. That, that made the story uh, ten times better. I, I like that a lot. It's so fun. Real quick, before I get into my last question, it's so funny that you mentioned the coach told you uh, – I told him not to talk. I, I told him to stay quiet. I even used those things to get into people's head. I had a coach tell me once, yeah, I put, the, I put our number one, I think it was from Marcel too, which is pretty hilarious. That I, I put the number one at number two because it's a senior day. I go, smart move, coach. And then I waited, and we played the match. And he hit a shot, and he said, come on. And I walked over, I said, you know, you should be on court number one right now, but your coach took you out, so you had a chance on your senior day. So don't think you're there because you're playing badly. You just He was scared of me. So I, I can't relate to you guys with the best stuff is left on set because I'm not even playing this guy. I just have to say something, you know, because – and then he ended up losing. He ended up losing my boy Jonesy. If I can help my boy win, I got to help him win. But let's move on from the trash talk because I got way too many stories that people are going to hate me more than they already do. So I'm glad that you two – can be the voices of reason and the voices of silence, so to speak, on this, because I'm excited to see. And that leads me into my last question for you, Jay. We've talked a lot about past memories, past games, past things that you've done, but I want you to tell us and tell the people listening right now, what are you working on now for your game for next season? And what can we expect from you next season? Oh, I'm, uh, the biggest thing I'm working on for next year is um, trying to get um, my ankle back to a strength where I feel confident going both ways. Um, if you watch, if you watched us play last year, a lot of the things I did was going to my left where I could stop easier on the dime. Um, going to my right, whether it's sliding on defense or dri- driving to my right, I have a hard time stopping on a dime because of my right ankle. So that's the biggest thing. I'm just trying to work on strength and that up where I can develop a tolerance for that, you know, the popping and all that stuff. Um, but other than that, um, being able to create for my teammates. I want to bring my assist numbers up. I know that I can score. Um, you know, the best thing, the, the thing, the best thing my coach said to me in our year in meeting, he was like, his, his quote unquote, his exact words were, you can score with the best of them, but what else can you do? And that was mo- added motivation for me to over this summer work on being able to, to drive and kick and, and get guys like CEO and, and, and Kendrick great shots on the perimeter get myself a better shot um, and defend and being able to, to lock up uh, a, a team's one and two guy, their, their top two guys. If you can do that, then you can, you can win any game. And I, and to be honest, I put a lot of um, blame on myself this past season for not doing that. I I'm, I'm critical for, for blaming myself. I like to blame myself a lot and put a lot of weight on my shoulders a lot for things that go wrong. So I was the first to say that I felt like the reason the season we had, the up and down season we had, was partly due to my inconsistency um, on the other side of the floor. And that's something I was embarrassed about when I go back and watch games and I'm, I just sit and watch games and I'm like, man, this is embarrassing. This, isn't my, this is not like me. This is not what I'm capable of doing. I'm capable of doing much better. So, um, you know, 
me watching games with my dad and sitting here listening to him say, you got to be better constantly. And I'm like, that's, that's, that's embarrassing for my dad to say that because he's never really said that before, especially on defense. So uh, that's, that's what I'm trying to work on more is, is uh, being better defensively and being better getting guys open shots. I know once, God willing, we get a basketball season this fall, uh, you know you've got two of the biggest fans probably in your corner with me and Danny, Jaron. We can't wait to see what you guys put together as a team, the recruiting class y'all bringing in, guys that are coming back. Personally, one of the guys that I can't wait to see is Pringle. I think we all know that after he tours Achilles. I mean, have you been in contact with him about his, uh, his rehab? Yes, I have. Actually, it's funny that you mentioned Pringle. Me and Pringle talk literally every day. Um, that's awesome every every single day um, I remember the game he tore his Achilles um, it was another one of those games where nothing was going our way we, we stayed in the game it was a close game but it felt like every single time we needed a big play or a big stop it the exact opposite happened and then I just remember when he tore his Achilles I was sitting on the bench I don't think anybody else noticed but me when he slipped um, I looked directly at his Achilles and it looked like this, and it stopped. It looked exactly like this. And I was like, he tore his Achilles. In my head, I'm like, he just tore his Achilles. And then when the diagnosis came out that he tore it, I was like, I just broke down. I was like, man, we needed this dude. But um, he's in high spirits. He's getting better. He actually he actually told the group chat that he dumped uh, twice about, I think it was a week ago. Um, he He's in the process of getting cleared to begin um, running and jumping and all that other stuff. Um, but I'm excited for him as well. He's he's in high spirits. He's always constantly talking about I'm going to come back bountier and stronger and all this. So I'm just I'm excited to have him back on the floor. I do not doubt that uh, for one minute at all. I was so fun to see him play in the, in the limited games he did last year. So can't wait for him. Can't wait for you guys to get back on the court. One final question to wrap things up. I'm taking this from probably one of my favorite podcasts besides our own. Uh, all the smoke with Matt Barnes and Stephen Jackson. They always close the show by asking, do you have any plugs? Do you have anybody that we could talk to for our next guest? Who would you recommend to come on to kicking it following you? Because, you know, you got big shoes to fill, but do you think anybody could fill your shoes as our next guest? Ooh, man, that's, that's, a, uh, that's a good one. You know what? At first, I'm gonna, while I'm thinking, I'm going to say I appreciate you saying I have big shoes to fill. That makes me feel really good. So I appreciate oh, you. You know it. Um, have you guys uh, Lorenza Harrington? Former Wingate uh, star, he actually played in the NBA. Actually, got a chance to guard Kobe uh, quite a few times. Um, I think he, he might be the all-time leading scorer in Wingate history. Um, he's played in the NBA, like I said before. Um, you know, I, I would have to, I would have to look. I have a lot of guys' numbers, so I would have to look. But you know, I have your guys' numbers, so I, it's it's no thing just to shoot you guys a text and say hit this guy up with this guy's number. So you know, I, I always look out. That is that is beyond okay. That's perfect. Uh, we cannot wait uh, to you know continue to stay in contact with you, Jaron. Danny, do you have any final words as we wrap up episode twenty-eight? No, man. I just want to say thanks, Jay, coming on, chopping it up with us as always, telling some stories, and, and reminding people that are going through this stuff that you know athletes are humans, and I think that's something that a lot of people forget. Whether it's students at a D two or fans watching professionals, you know they see you on the court doing what you do, and they might see that outward persona, you know, that you put out on the court as a killer, as, as this and that. But you remind people when you talk as, as well as you do intelligently as you are, that we're people, we're humans. You know, we have opinions, 
we have things that should be valued outside of just our game. So I just want to say that for the listeners who were athletes and weren't, don't forget that. Don't forget the athletes are humans as well. And we have opinions and we have stories that are very similar to your own. So I think that's the most important thing I get every time we do these is that athletes, non-athletes, we all go through the same thing. We deal with the same anxieties. We deal with the same expectations for ourselves. And it's up to us to overcome those things, just like we overcome injuries like you have, like Pringle is, as you mentioned now. Those are just things that make us, you know, that's why we're the same breed. We're all the same species. We all feel love and we're passionate about the same thing. So thank you for coming on, brother. We, we appreciated it. We will get you on very soon again. And I can't wait to see you ball out this year. Oh, man. Hopefully I can catch up with you guys. Man, Donnie, you know, I'll see you around. Danny, I better see you around. You're going to see me around. Don't worry. But, um, I mean, you know, I got, you know, I love you guys like brothers, man. You guys are truly um, great friends of mine. I appreciate it. Likewise, Jaron. Same to you. All love, man. Thanks for coming on. Really enjoyed chopping it up with you. And that's going to do it. Episode 28 of Kicking It with Breezy and Don C. Jaron Cottingham, Danny Belsito, Donnie Shirell. Peace. Peace.